This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 16. This is Writing Excuses. What do I do with all this blank space? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. And I'm Dan. And we're going to focus on your first few pages this time, specifically chapter one. Now, previously, we discussed what to get into the first third of your story. Mary, you're the one that suggested that we do the first page after we did the first third. Right. Because one of the things, you know, when you're trying to work out all of the different things, the first page is the one that is hardest because it is the one where you are establishing tone and genre and and making a couple of big promises. Mm -hmm. And with short fiction in particular, you have to do this in about 13 lines. Mm. With novel, you usually have the first chapter to kind of ease in, but you're still looking at the first page. And that's the thing. I mean, you guys know. You go and browse bookstores. That's the thing that makes you decide whether or not you want to buy the book. You know, and I often use an analogy here that uh, people feel so judged as writers by, oh, they're only going to look at the first paragraphs or the first page. But, you know, how long does it take you to tell if a piece of music is something that you might be interested in? At 10 seconds, 13, 15 seconds, you can tell what genre that is. And if it's, you know, generally a song that's the type you're going to enjoy and how competent the person playing that song is. You could tell the difference between a pianist who's been playing for 30 years and one who's been playing for a year in 15 seconds. So the reading public is going to judge your book just in the same way, and they're going to have instincts about that. Your job is to convince them, and that first page, that number one, you're competent. You know what you're doing. And number two, this is a book you, reader, absolutely got to read. I love first lines of books for the Mm -hmm. same reason that I love opening shots of movies and you know entire books entire college courses have been taught on here's the let's look at the first shot of this movie and let's look at the first shot of this movie and what does Mm -hmm. that say about how to watch the rest of the movie and you can you can tell so much just in that those first few lines Mm -hmm. of a chapter it's important to recognize though that I mean the term establishing shot uh, mm-hmm. You know, we we hear it a lot, and a lot of people think, well, then I need to start with an establishing shot, and you don't necessarily need to start with no, that. No, you don't. And often, if your establishing shot is something where you decide, you know, in order to win the reader over, I'm going to, you know, wax a little purple as the right. camera zooms up <laughs> to the castle, uh, you are not promising us the sort of book that you're probably actually writing in. Right, in yeah. because your establishing pages. shot can be a close-up. It's just, what we're talking about, though, is the order of information that you present to the reader. When when you're asking your reader to to read, what they're doing is they're building an image of the story one word at a time. So the order in which you present things becomes really, really important. It's very easy to send them down the wrong path if you choose the wrong starting point. The way I often describe it is, you know, if you imagine yourself in a dark theater and someone has a flashlight that they're shining on the stage and they're controlling what you're looking at. So if the first thing they shine it on is a pool of red liquid, you're like, blood, I'm going to see a murder mystery. And then they slide it over, and there's a can of Kool-Aid tipped on the side, and you're like, oh, no, kitchen drama. And they slide just a little bit farther over, and there's a bloody knife and a severed arm. You're like, I'm reading one of Dan Wells's books. 
<laughs> kitchen drama, and, and a, a murder mystery. Yes. It's um, great. Hey, Kool-Aid, a murder um, in three acts. So, so the thing that I want to, to say, we've talked so much about how important the first chapter, the first page, even the first line are. The first thing the reader reads does not and should not be the first thing you write. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to sit there staring at that blank space for 10 weeks trying to come up with the perfect first line. Just start writing. Yeah. I can't remember the last time, and it's probably never, that the first chapter I wrote for a book actually survives the editing process and is the first chapter in the actual book. I, 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 I'll just be quiet over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, well, by the but, same token, uh, the, the, ultimately the title of this thing that you're working on uh, rarely is going to be the very first thing you write down. So that's part of why I liked when Mary suggested, let's talk about the first third before the first page. Because the first third, you're going to be doing a lot of things. You'll eventually boil that down to what needs to be your first page, but it rarely will be the first thing you write. Yeah. And this is really good advice, really important advice, because I've had many a student just say, I can't come up with the great first line. Part of the problem this is they've been trained in high school that your first line to an essay or whatever needs to be a hook. And yes, it does, but it's a hook of the style we're talking about here. The hook does not need to be something eye-catching, necessarily. It needs to be something that indicates the proper tone, that mm -hmm. indicates some sort of conflict in motion. Um, and, and that's what I, I tell my students. You want to get conflict in the first line. Now, the first page in particular. Um, often when we're talking about beginnings, I list my favorite first line, which is uh, from 1984, um, which... It was, is, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Mm -hmm. um, I love that first line because, yes, there's a hook in that, but it's a very simple hook. We're in another world. The clocks strike 13 in this world. We've changed to a different place, but there are still clocks. They, you know, yeah. the, the fact that it there goes, is still April, there's still April. And so we're in our world, but an alternate version of it. And it's a perfect introduction. And that's the sort of thing you're looking for. It's got inherent conflict in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Marley was dead to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Similar. Mm -hmm. my, my favorite first line is Neuromancer. Uh, the yes. color of the sky, or the sky was the color of a television tuned to a dead channel, mm -hmm. which doesn't have a ton of drama to it, but it does have the word dead in it. It does suggest technology and technology that doesn't function properly. It tells you all of these wonderful things, and it does so in a beautiful way. And, and there's also a little bit of snark to it, which Neuromancer mm -hmm. also has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, though we're talking about great ones, stress your first line a little less in your head. Mm -hmm. Stress your first page a little more. Yeah. If you can get this across in your first page, you're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. I have found a lot, and, I, and I've talked about this, uh, this technique before, uh, often the way in which we present information in paragraphs, in pages, is, uh, is upside down. Uh, we will write the thing that we think needed to be written first, and then we work our way down to something specific. And often what I'll do, just to see if, I'm, just to see if I wrote it wrong, is I will flip it upside down. I'll take the last sentence of the paragraph and put it as the first sentence and treat everything else as something that stands in support mm. of that first sentence. Uh, I mean, and I do this at varying points throughout the prose to see if what I was doing was, in fact, writing my way up to mm -hmm. that piece of pith that summed everything up well. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. And often what I find is that that 
that last line that needed to be the first line is actually the thing that the character is noticing first, the thing that the reader would in fact notice first, and everything else is the stuff that you notice second and third that stands in support of that first key thing. Yeah. One of the interesting things about the way we notice information, um, particularly when it when it's written, is that the, the first thing you, you list is the first thing the character notices. And the last thing you list is the thing they linger on. But all the stuff in the middle is kind of just there for set dressing. So a lot of times that's one of the reasons that your first page, or your first line will go wrong is because you've got stuff, you've got the good stuff buried in the middle and lost. Yeah. Um. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Yes. Mary, you are going to pitch a book to us. Uh, I am listening right now. I haven't finished. The Gollum and the Genie by Helen Wecker. And it is amazing. The narrator, George Guidal, is just, he's so good. But the thing that I am loving about this book, set in the early 1900s, and uh, basically there is, it's early 1900s, New York, so it's a city of immigrants. And it's, there's a, a golem there who's trying to make her way through the world as a golem. And then there's a genie who was just released from imprisonment in a bottle. And so both of them are immigrants to this new world. Interesting. It's, and That's it's, so cool. It's so cool. And, and one of them is an immigrant in uh, little Syria. Mm-hmm. And one of them is an immigrant in a Hasidic Jewish area. Right. So it's dealing with all of these culture clashes and class issues. Issues, but the moment it starts, that like the promises that it begins with are just you. It, it opens and you're like, oh, oh, I'm gonna love this book. Um, That's excellent. So I really encourage you to go over to Audible and start your free 30 day trial membership. And all you have to do is go to. Uh, audiblepodcast.com slash writing excuses. Or slash excuse. Slash excuse. I'm sorry. Audiblepodcast slash excuse. Oh, there's a dot com in there too. There's a link on the website. Just click that. Um, And go pick up The Gollum and the Genie. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Excellent. So, that sounds really cool. I think I'll get that one. Um, Let's talk more about beginnings, particularly your first page. Uh, what are other things that you guys look for to put on your first page or when you're picking up a book? What things on a first page grab you? So uh, I'm, there's a couple of, you've asked two different questions. Um, but one of the things that I am, I am looking for is I kind of want to know what sort of conflict I'm heading in for. Okay, yeah. Um, and, but specifically, I want to know what is important to the character. Because I'm, I'm in, when I'm reading and when I write, I'm in the ride for the characters. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what is important to the character. Uh, and I try personally to get that into the first page. I also like to know what their position in society is mm-hmm. because that will affect how they interact with everything. Yeah, I rarely try to get the plot of the book mm-hmm. into the first page or even yeah. the first chapter. 
um, in the first page, the first chapter, I want the character to want something. Mm -hmm. And I want to show them trying to get that or wishing they could get that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to focus too much on where that's going to go. That I'll need by the end of the third chapter for sure. As a reader, uh, I, I, I resonate strongly here with Mary. You know, I want to identify with a character early. I want to be seeing what they're seeing. And because I love genre fiction, I want it to be cool. You know, mm -hmm. I want this yeah. already to be taking me someplace interesting. Um, maybe this judgment is a little unfair, but if I'm having that experience in the first few lines, but the bold text above it says prologue, part of what I feel like you're telling me is maybe don't get attached to this person because you're only going to see them for one chapter yeah. and then it's, and then it's done. Um, and, and if that's not the case, if no, you're going to follow this character throughout, go ahead and get attached to him. Just write chapter one instead of prologue. I mean, I feel silly saying this, but the beginning of the book, the first thing I read is often prologue or chapter one. And mm -hmm. one of those signals me in a way that for me personally is very encouraging. Yeah. I, I want to say, just because Brandon and I write books of very different lengths. Mm. And Brandon writes <laughs> prologues, and right. I've read them, and I've yes. liked them. I've had up to three prologues. I don't recommend it. No. But, um, but you know, Brandon said by the end of the, the first three chapters, for me, with my books, it's usually by the end of the first chapter. Mm -hmm. When I'm writing short fiction, it's by the end of the first page. But what we're talking about here is a percentage. Right. Um, On Way of Kings, I went 13 chapters before I really even started to get into it. But in one of the shorter Mistborn novels, I will do it first chapter. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a chapter that's introduced the character, and at the end of that chapter, there will usually be a, we need to talk about something. Yeah. And then we go introduce the problem. But you know what? The, at risk of stretching first line, often the first line that somebody reads when they pick up Way of Kings mm -hmm. is, by Brandon Sanderson. Yes. And they, that is a promise that says, <laughs> this is the sort of ride that I'm in for. Yeah, I rarely tell people to start with The Way of Kings. Um, when someone asks what to start with, I say, well, this is the book to read once you trust me. Um, and this, this is a yeah. problem that sometimes new writers have. They come to me they're like, I want to write this stuff. And I'm like, good, write what you love. Go for what you love. But understand, I couldn't sell The Way of Kings. I tried, after I had a book deal, to sell that to Tor, and they wouldn't touch it. Because a book that's 400,000 words with three prologues is not the sort of thing that readers are going to do unless they trust you. Yeah. yeah, and the important thing there is is trust. And if we mm -hmm. talk about the first page as something where you are building trust uh, early on, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the key. And, and one of the ways you build trust with the readers in that first page, mm -hmm. um, or even the first couple of pages, is, uh, and this goes to the first line and all of that, it's not just about the questions that you're asking, I mean, it's not just about the, what the character is, is uh, interested in, but it's also the questions that you're raising for the reader. So if you raise a question and then you immediately answer mm -hmm. it, then they, they're like, okay, this person knows what they're doing. So if you raise a couple of questions and you give them answers and then you raise one and you don't answer it, they're like, oh, they're not yeah. answering this on purpose. I wonder what this is about. Mm -hmm. But what you'll see a that's lot of times... That's often called a hook. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a hook. That, that's brilliant, Mary. I, I really like how you encapsulated that. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, though, I mentioned briefly writing skill um, and showing that you can do this. Um, what I mean by that, listener, we're going to get into in upcoming episodes about how to get information across in a way that's dynamic and interesting. Um, this is what I'm looking for. 
I want to see in that first page, can the author give me character voice, either in a first person or a third person, in a way that it just makes that character's personality sing off the page at me. I know who this person is. Um, and it's in the simple things, in the way they describe the world. Not by saying, John was a man who liked, you know, what, such and such, by showing it to me. The other big thing is, how are they getting across information to me as a reader? I love science fiction fantasy. I want to see, as, as Howard said, cool things. I don't want to be told about cool things. I want to see cool things. So that first page is your chance to show me something cool. Yes. Let's go ahead and do our homework then. Yes. Uh, Mary, you have the homework this week. So what I want you to do is I actually just want you to write the first page. And in a standard manuscript format, the first page is only 13 lines. Frequently, honestly, and depressingly, an editor will decide on the first thing, the first 13 lines. So, what yes. you, so I'm going to ask you to just write your first 13 lines. And I want you to see if you can fit in, see how much you can fit into those 13 lines about your character, what it is that they want. See if you can get the conflict in. Yeah. Go ahead, give it a try. Um, but when, when I say fitting in your character, what we're looking for is their class, their attitude, their mood. Those, the attitude and the mood is going to be things that really drive how this is going. Uh, and then, of course, I also need to know the genre and the tone of the story. So see how much you can fit into those first 13 lines. Right. And if you did your homework last time, you have three different versions of how you could start your story. The idea is now to take one of those and try and just saturate it. Yeah. Just stick everything you can in there as, as possible. Yeah. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.